Ba, 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 ba. I can't do that song. It's copyrighted. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am Jehananan, the infringer of copyrights. It's me. It's me, Casualty CDG, co-host of Fresh Out the Box. And uh, this podcast, which is Fresh Out the Podcast, uh, is a brand new show. This is episode 70, um, brand new one, episode one. Episode seventy-four. This is 74. episode you got seventy-four. It. You got there. Part one, episode seventy-four, chapter one. You got there. I'm I'm proud of you. You you made it. You did it. Good job, Gary. I am uh, the professional media and movie mastermind, the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen, and we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about today. It's gonna be all the cool stuff we've been watching and enjoying, which. Jahan, we were talking just before this this episode started about just how far back that goes because we did our like most anticipated to 2023 and before that was our top fives of 2022 and we've had a few weeks where we didn't record due to you know life and so the last time we really had just kind of a free-for-all episode was back in mid-December when when Avatar The Way of Water came out so I'm excited to talk about all the best stuff that we've been checking out since that time. But I did, if you all will indulge me here just a little bit, because I do want to, you know, I always have to have my little Oscar corner where I go off about it because I haven't had a chance on the show. to. Oh, we know we're ready for it. The Oscar nominations and everything that's happened there. Um, I wish we had an animation and like a little theme song for your Oscar roundup where you like popped out of a little trash can like Oscar the Grouch. It's Drew's Oscar roundup. I like the Oscars. Is that, is that good? I yeah. like it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, Gary, I'm assuming you've been closely following the Oscar race and that you could list all the uh, best picture nominees without looking at the list. Yeah, of course. Um, the same way, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I'm teasing. I'll go through the uh, the best picture list really quick. I'm not going to go into every category because we just don't have time for that. We've got enough to talk about. But I did want to just talk about the best picture noms, which are interesting. Um, not a whole... A lot of them are, are as expected, and then a few of the last spots were taken in an interesting direction. But the nominees for Best Picture Matrix 4, (laughs) Homeward Bound. Go on. I want to see what else you pull. The Whale. And since it's actually Brendan Fraser's year, the first Mummy, not the Mummy 2, though. Uh, And so that's actually going to give Brendan Fraser, that's going to give him two-fifths of the chance to win. So he's going in strong. He's the lead here. And this is one of the first years they've ever brought back movies from the past, which is exciting. They've tried to get more viewership over the years by adding more movies to categories, and now they're just... It's a no-holds-barred, basically. This is the hardcore match of the Oscars this year. Anything goes. I expect to see Titanic, you know, come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, this, this, is, this is a good year. If you're going to watch one, this is the one to watch. 
Boy, I this this should be just a sideshow that we do. That's like Gary talking about the Oscars every week, but just making it all up as he goes along. And it's movies from all different years and genres that just don't make sense. I'm here for it. Um, yeah, Best Picture nominees: All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Boom! The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Okay, okay. Tar is from the Jurassic period. All that's quiet in the restaurant front is from the 1940s. Uh, Elvis is from the 50s. So just to my point, they're pulling in movies just from any decade at this point. All the way back to prehistoric times with Tar. There's also Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking. And so that rounds out the 10 nominees this year. Um, yes, there is a new adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front. It was a famous movie from a long time ago. Um, there have been multiple adaptations of it, but this was a, actually a German adaptation. And I actually haven't watched it yet, but uh, apparently it's pretty good. I prefer the sequel, uh, Loud as Hell on the Eastern Front. Hmm. Yeah, dude, that one bangs. Uh-huh. That one really <laughs> Non-stop thrills. <laughs> um, the surprises there, All Quiet on the Western Front kind of ma- started making waves a few weeks before the Oscar uh, nominations closed. So the Oscar voting. So I'm, I, that kind of had like a last minute wave and it made it into Best Picture. Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking were the other two uh, spots that, that made it in. Over some other movies like Babylon, um, and uh, she said a few others that were talked about, but didn't make it here. The rest of them were all pretty expected. Avatar, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Fableman's Tar, Top Gun, all were to be expected. No surprises there. I think that right now the race is still coming down to Banshees, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the Fableman's to really win this award and take it home this year. Um, right now, I feel like everything everywhere all at once has a lot of steam behind it. And it's a big, you know, it's a commercially successful movie, has a lot of fans. I think that people will tune into the Oscars just to see this movie. Because the, the, the fans, the people who are fans of this movie are, are really big fans. And uh, Ki Huy Kwan is, is more than likely going to win the supporting actor Oscar um, for this movie. So... Yeah, I think that it'll have a pretty big presence at the awards. The thing that I wanted to talk about is the Triangle most- of Sadness about a symphonic percussionist who has a really depressed life. Oh. All they do is go into work and ding a triangle. I I see where you're going with that. That's funny. It's not. Um, I did speak about that movie a few weeks ago. I actually saw that one back at Fantastic Fest. And uh, I remember Jahan was so, like, flabbergasted just because the name Triangle of Sadness back then when I talked about it. But it's it's kind of a... Oh, this is the one where they are on a boat and... Mm-hmm. It's going fast and... Up. No, oh, no. Okay. They Sorry. wind up right in the middle of their Bermuda Triangle, then they break up and it's very sad. No, still wrong, but <laughs> I, I do appreciate the effort. It's, uh... A satire on the rich and wealthy, and it does involve a boat trip that does not go where they'd like it to. And there's a lot of vomit, um, a lot of, of yucky poo-poo vomit 
um, that happens midway through this movie that has been seen in a lot of the trailers and posters and things. So, yeah. I think that's what it was, actually, when I spoke about it a few months ago. Jahan Jahan was looking up posters to show while I was talking about it, and the first poster that came up was, like, somebody projectile vomiting on the poster. I think that's what sparked the conversation. I was pretty surprised. Yucky poo-poo vomit. Yucky poo poo vomit. There is some interesting drama surrounding the nominations this year, specifically in the Best Actress race. And it is because of a particular nomination. Um, There's a movie here. Have either of you heard of a little movie called To Leslie? No, I have not. Exactly. Nobody has. Nobody's heard of this movie because nobody's seen this movie. It got a limited release back, I think, around October. It made, give or take, about $30,000 at the box office total, which is nothing. Uh, made by a super small studio starring Andrea Riseborough. I think she, I believe, I have not seen this film yet. I believe she plays like a former lottery winner who is, you know, turned alcoholic, you know, has used all the money and she's just like washed up in, in a really bad spot. Um, the, this nomination, so Andrea Riseborough was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for this part in the movie to Leslie, which has not been on the campaign trail at all. It has not been part of any awards coverage in the months leading up to this. Um, it was pretty much a non-factor. And a few weeks, or not even, like a week or so before the nominations closed, this the director and his wife started kind of a grassroots campaign around this and they have a lot of friends in the actor branch and so they started getting people on board and folks like Edward Norton and Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, many many more started tweeting about this movie to Leslie and saying how great it was and how great her performance was and it kind of all appeared out of nowhere like one day on Twitter all of a sudden there were all these actors tweeting about this movie that nobody had heard of before and apparently it made waves enough within this week that then all of a sudden Andrew Riseborough lands a nomination here. The thing that's interesting is that the Academy has very strict rules about campaigning and what's allowed and what's not and how many emails or things can be sent and that it actually caused them to launch an investigation into the campaign and this film and everything. I don't think that there's any action that's going to be taken but it kind of ruffled a lot of feathers, especially because um, it was really thought that one that this spot would would go to someone like uh, Viola Davis for The Woman King um, uh, yeah, and yeah. instead this spot was taken and so there's no actresses of color in this in this category this year and and what that means for the industry and things like that so just it's kind of like caused a lot of drama but it's made this whole interesting wave and look into the campaigning behind the oscars and what's allowed and what's not and uh yeah so a little a little bit of controversy behind an awards race that otherwise can be a little bit dull until the actual show itself no 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 it's still dull 
that's, oh, come on. That's all they have to talk about. That's like they're doing a campaign investigation because these people might not have sent enough emails. That's dull as fuck, son. Quite, quite irregular. Harumph. <laughs> no, they're just not gonna. They're not gonna live up to last year's uh, moment. That was not at all dull. Uh, oh boy, they, this is very dull by comparison. What? No, no, John, no. We're not doing... No. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on into uh, the, the bulk of this podcast episode, which is for us to, to talk about what we've been watching and and what we've been enjoying recently. And uh, I will just take it upon myself now to kick that off. By talking about a little M. Night Shyamalan film called Knock at the Cabin that came out last week. Uh, if you're listening to this audio on the weekend that it I, released. And I wanted to released. see that. Um, yay or nay? I'm giving it a yay. Okay. I like that. It's not necessarily top tier Shyamalan, but it's definitely a lot better than his bad stuff. I actually really enjoyed it. And kind of going back to our anticipated list, it's like M. Night Shyamalan, say what you will about his twists and what he's known for and all that stuff. He knows where to put a camera and how to make things look interesting. And this movie is filmed so well. Like, it all takes place in the super claustrophobic cabin. There's a lot of super close-up shots of people's faces. Um, a lot of close-up on Batista's face. And uh, the the tension and atmosphere of it is worth going to see. Again, this is based off of a book, so this is not an M. Night Shyamalan original. Um, but it is his telling of this, you know, his adaptation of this, and I I enjoyed it. I I don't want to say much because I I think that if you can go into it. Um, knowing as as little as possible you know i hadn't read the book i didn't know what to expect but it's pretty cut and dry you know like it's 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 not um doesn't leave much to the imagination you know it, but it's but it's really well done dave bautista's wonderful in it i mean we all know he's been great we've sung his praises on this show many times before this only reinforces it uh, just dude has so much range he's so good he's so good in this and uh i i I really enjoyed it. I, I'd say it's like a solid three out of five, three and a half out of five, maybe. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. That's good enough for me to go see a Batista movie. Yeah. So I I would say I certify it fresh. I will be interested to see hear y'all's thoughts. Um, yeah, it's 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 not it's not twisty like M Night Shyamalan stuff. You know, it just it's. But it's it's just well done. I just like how he where he puts the camera, his views on things. He's he's good. He does have his traditional cameo in the movie. I won't spoil that because he does that in every film. But it, it made me laugh out loud. So yeah, that's knock at the cabin. I do. Yeah, I do want to see that one. Yeah. Do y'all have any movies that you've been watching? Uh, <clears throat> I've seen three of note. Uh, all of them have been talked about before a little bit uh so one of the cool things i did recently the other weekend me and jenny went to see the extended version of return of the king uh lord of the rings at alamo draft house in a special showing 
Uh, and you know what? Right. That movie holds up and is dope and still, like, it teared me up in a few spots, man. Uh, it was good times. And I love Alamo Draft House. I enjoy their food. Great experience. Had a great time. Um, but was more... Was full theater? Like, they have a good crowd for it? Oh, yeah. It was packed. That's awesome. It was, like, full. Like, the whole thing was full. It pretty much always is when they do their Lord of the Rings show. And they all they did all three movies, uh, but we were unable to get tickets to any of the other ones. Because uh, I think my favorite is actually Fellowship. I think the first one has it all. Um, and Fellowship then my favorite. And then the second one has one of the greatest siege of all time. And then the third one, third one, I always... Like, honestly, like, I under I undersell it a little bit, because, like, after watching it again, man, it has some great moments. Uh, it's a fantastic movie as well. Fellowship's my favorite, and I think that it's extended version. I feel like the extended clips or the added clips are the most quality of the other extended versions too. I, I haven't I, the King a lot. I haven't seen any of those movies normal version in so long I watch I only watch the extended I watch them all the time because uh, that's that's my fandom right there uh, the other thing that's a little more on topic uh, I finally saw everything everywhere all at once uh, I don't know why I put it on. I just never, like, I never got around to it. I don't know. That movie's great. That movie's incredible. Visually stunning. Uh, really, really cool shots. Uh, didn't realize Jamie Lee Curtis was in this movie. Fantastic. And, and she's nominated for an Oscar. And, and she is. Uh, hot dog fingers and all. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, watching an entire fight scene uh, with a man with a butt plug in is hilarious and somehow doesn't undercut like the rest of what's going on it's it's i don't know how they did what they did but they did it and it was incredible and they deserve all the awards what a great movie uh can't recommend it if you haven't seen it go check it out it's top nuts bloobies crazy like one of those rainbow multicolored pencils where when you make art with it, you can't guarantee it's going to look good, right? You don't really know. Except instead, they just had this paintbrush that was just this multicolored, just chaotic paintbrush that they painted a beautiful film with somehow. Uh, the way that they made all of this chaos come together in Everything Everywhere All at Once was very fun to watch. You know, it was never... I don't think it was ever too much. It was never overwhelming. It wasn't really hard to follow, uh, and and somehow all of the concepts exactly right. With somehow, the concepts yeah, they use somehow. This is this is absolutely great. I don't think that it's uh, an Oscar. Where I don't, I don't think I saw any Oscar worthy performances in this movie, but I liked it a lot. Oh, you don't even think Michelle Yeoh was was worthy? I thought she, she's wonderful in it. I liked it a lot, but no, I wouldn't. I, I wasn't like holy Oscar. I thought they were four four acting nominations. The I think I think they deserve every one. Yeah. The way that I was with episode three of The Last of Us when I was like holy Emmy, I didn't feel that way when I watched everything ever all at once. I, I wasn't like holy Oscar. I guess to be fair, when I first saw it in theaters, which was super early in the awards race, you know, there's not really any campaigning going on then. I didn't realize that it would be the Oscar front runner that it has become, but I'm excited that it is. And I think it's something that has, it's, it like has mainstream appeal while also being kind of this fun art house feeling gem. 
nothing about it makes sense. Like the way the the way that it actually pulls all this stuff together, pulls it off, it makes it cohesive and like easy to follow. Like like you were saying, like it's just crazy. I don't know, man. It's 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 a really good movie. I'm glad I finally saw it. I uh, look forward to my first rewatch. Uh, I actually kind of want to rewatch it before now that we're like really in that last month uh, leading up to the awards. I, I want to watch it again, so I probably will check it out. I liked it a lot, and also it's really funny because like so I run one of the games I run is like a multiversal thing. Uh, it's modern age threefold. Uh, the threefold setting is like a multiverse. And, like, some of the stuff in this movie is actually stuff that I kind of do in the game a little bit. And, like, I'm like, oh, man, like, that's kind of funny. I don't know. Because they have, like, the people that can uh, channel their other selves and other universes in the game. And so it's just kind of cool. Uh, but, yeah. And then the last movie I saw, uh, because the sequel looks really, really good... Uh, and I love what's her name? Um, Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. I love Jenna Ortega. She's great, and she she apparently she's a great person too, uh, off camera. And she, it looked the the Scream Six movie looks really good. It takes place in New York. It looked the I saw the trailer and I was like, that's dope. And so I watched Scream Five. Scream Five, pretty campy. A lot of fan service. Uh, not what I was expecting at all, but still, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, it it is campy and cheesy and all that stuff, but it, it just has so much of uh, so much slasher goodness, like very classic stuff going on. They they joke about the tropes in a way that I feel is uh, it adds rather than subtracts. And then you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid's son's in it. Uh, that's oh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's in The Boys, if you didn't know that that was Dennis Quaid's son in The Boys, Dewey. Uh, he's in this movie. And Gina Ortega. And then, like, Courtney Jack, Cox makes Jack an appearance. Quaid, yeah, Jack Quaid. Yeah, uh, Courtney Cox. Uh, all uh, Pretty much main cast screen people come back. It's, it's worth a watch. It's not the worst thing I've seen. And, like, I want to understand the context because the one after the, the sequel looks like they're doing their own thing. And they're really going for it. It takes place in New York, which I don't think they've ever really left that town in the series. And uh, it looks good. So I had to watch the the prequel, as it were. For, for a horror franchise with five entries in it, they're all pretty solid. Like, you know, typically with horror franchises in particular, you get some gems and some real stinkers. But Scream, at least, they're all at the very least solid. The first one, I think, is you know still the best one. But there have been some good entries. I liked Five. I'm looking forward to Six a lot. I am. Yeah, Scream. The first Scream movie is fantastic, and it's I mean, it's just Scream is one of my favorite slasher franchises for sure. Tried watching one new movie. <clears throat> Most of what I did was watch a whole bunch of old 1990s wrestling and try to get caught up on my wrestling history. But Nothing the wrong movie. With that. No, another with that. Another uh, that. The movie I was watching uh, was a new Netflix original. It's called You People, and I thought this just had an, an amazing cast, and I was like, holy crap, this looks good. Uh, it's got Eddie Murphy. It's got Jonah Hill. It's got Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's got David Duchovny. Uh, it's got Taco, which he's uh, the rapper from Lil Dicky, or from that show. Uh, so it's, it's just got... 
it's got people. It's got people that I think are funny and people that I think are great. Uh, the plot is that uh, Jonah Hill falls in love. He's like uh, he's like extremely Jewish. That's his character. He's super Jewish, and he falls in love with the black girl from a. And black he's a podcaster, girl. worth noting. Yes, and he falls in love with the black Muslim girl, and you know she doesn't want to tell her family that he's a white Jewish guy. And he doesn't want to tell his family that she's Muslim, but they're in love. And so instead of it being this kind of quirky romance movie where they, you know, fall in love and it's a lot of fun. Instead, it's like really culturally insensitive for Jewish people and Muslims. It's really hard to watch. It's really cringy. The jokes don't land. They're not funny. Uh, Eddie Murphy's character isn't funny. He's not supposed to be funny. He's like uh, a really angry black Muslim who hates the position that he's been put in and hates the fam the Jewish family that he meets. And then they get into arguments over like who were the original slaves. Uh, and so it's just not fun. It's not fun or funny, and it is supposed to be, and it is just a total bomb. Uh, sounds really uncomfortable, man. That sounds really, 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 really uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And so for me, you know, I didn't want to talk about it too, too much because obviously I'm not from either one of those cultures. Uh, but I did, I did a quick Google search, and I'm not the only one who feels this way. There are headlines that are all over the place about how this is culturally insensitive and it misses the mark, how the relationship on screen don't work. Uh, so I'm not the only one who thinks this one's a bomb. It's got... Well, uh, go ahead, Drew. I watched this too, actually. I have okay. it on my list, but oh. I watched this too. I also thought it was not good, um, which is a shame, because like you said, there's a lot of talented people involved. My my big thing with it is Jonah Hill, who I like a lot, and his kind of bumbling sense of improv comedy that worked really well in Superbad when he was playing a high school kid just does not translate well at all to a 30-something like man-child. I found it to be kind of grating here. Eddie Murphy is like clearly just here for the paycheck. Like he's like just kind of sleepwalking through the movie. And I think the the biggest part of the movie that was made it difficult to watch is it's clear that Jonah Hill and the oh, I don't have her name in front of me. I, I wasn't prepared. The actress that plays his fiance in the film. Um, I'm pulling it up so I can speak about this appropriately. Lauren London. Um, like she's fine, but Jonah Hill and Lauren London like clearly have zero chemistry in this movie, and so there's just absolutely like like take away the cultural bits of it, like you said, because like Gary said, the whole point is that she's dating a white guy, and her black parents don't want her to be dating a white boy, and his <laughs> his side's a little bit funnier with Julia Louis Dreyfus because they he has these white parents who like are trying to go above and beyond to show that they're not racist white funny people at all i thought it was horrible and cringy and disgusting they did the thing where you know they bring the black girl into the house with the all-white family and they're like so um how do you feel about uh police brutality <laughs> uh, like they don't know what else to talk about and i'm just like jesus christ guys this movie is just so bad it's just, uh, there's not a redeeming quality about it except for the cast and the cast is terrible in it. The, the casting director did a great job, but everything else is just just so, so bad. Uh, I, I do not recommend you people at all. Uh, and the scene where they knocked off Eddie Murphy's, uh, car, car, what is it, his uh, koofy hat, 
or they knocked off his Muslim crown and then burned it at the dinner table on accident was enough for me. I was just like, <laughs> that, that, that's that pretty is. rough, man. Yeah, and it was also, it wasn't just one that he, like, you know, bought. It was one that was given to him uh, by the, the leader of the Muslim church at a rally. And so I, I don't know what part of that's funny. It, it's just disrespectful and bad, and it's just... This, this, this script should have been thrown in the trash, man. Yeah, it, it just, it just doesn't, I, the premise seems like it should be good and it just doesn't work. Unfortunately, it has the bones of a rom-com, but when you watch it, it's just a disrespectful piece of crap. Yeah, on paper, I mean, it could absolutely work. Sure. But like, yeah, it has to be handled correctly. Otherwise, you know, it's just, you can't, I don't know. So that, that that's touchy, movie. man. That is that is a touchy, whole touchy thing that's still going on. And it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, like, I really? In this economy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple other movies to talk about really quick uh, in the thriller and, and horror cal- category. First off, I want to finally talk about Megan. Um, which is the horror movie that's actually like doing really well financially in theaters. It's made over $150 million and it was made for $12 million. So this is just like a typical Blumhouse gem making all the money. Uh, Megan went viral. She is the android doll that dances and such in the trailers. And it's a, this, this is like the story itself with it is like pretty uninspired, I guess. It's the typical... You know, girl loses both of her parents. She's sent to go live with her aunt. The aunt is a incredible like tech toy designer who has created this android lifelike doll called Megan. Pairs Megan with her niece that she's taken in, and Megan is an AI that's protecting the niece. That then you know, the AI starts to learn and grow, and then decides that it's going to be violent towards other people. And so it's like not things you haven't seen before in other sci-fi stories, but just the look and appeal of Megan herself is what I think has gone viral here. And I enjoyed watching it. It's like just a solid for for a PG-13 horror movie. You know, I wish it had more gory kills or things like that, but I had fun with it for what it is. So that's Megan. Um, I also hear good things. Uh, my brother and his husband saw this movie and they were both very high on it. And... I don't know, they said it was kind of like almost a comedy uh, in a way. It, it, it almost, yeah, it's kind of a comedy. And they said it works really well at that, and they both they both liked it. Uh, my brother does not really like horror. Uh, greenlit for a sequel, right? It did. It did. We'll get more Megan. Ooh, okay, yeah. Yeah, this will probably be a horror franchise or that we'll see in the future, I think. I don't think this one's going to just go away. Horror franchises are, are dope. I, I enjoy a good horror franchise. Like, And it's it's horror has become one of the safest bets as far as box office goes. Like, even in the pandemic era, you can make horror movies for pretty cheap, and usually they'll make a profit. Like like we said, Megan made it was made for $12 million, and it's made already more than 10 times that and it's going to continue making money especially right now because it kind of came out in the dead zone between avatar the way of water and ant-man and the wasp quantumania so it's kind of just ripe for the picking you know for these movies to come out and make make a buck 
Um, another movie that I saw is called Missing, and this is I, this is a genre that I've really come to like. I don't know if y'all have ever heard the term screen life before, um, but these are movies that are told just on like computer screens or iPhone screens or using technology. So the whole film is told through Zooms or FaceTimes and web browsing and things like that. So it's, it lends itself well to mystery thrillers. There was a movie that came out a few years ago called Searching that had John Cho in it. I don't know if either of y'all saw that. No, but I, I've seen the trailer, a trailer for either this movie or that movie. And mm-hmm. it looked interesting. And this is kind of like a quasi-sequel to Searching. Um, it has some of the same folks behind it. And the plot of Searching is like briefly mentioned in this one, but it's its own story. So essentially it's about a, uh, a young girl who's home for the weekend while her mom and her mom's boyfriend go to Columbia on a trip. And then she's supposed to pick them up from the airport on a Monday goes to pick them up and they don't arrive at the airport and the mom's phone's turned off. She can't get in touch and it launches an investigation to, for where her mom disappeared to. And so, um, yeah, like I said, it's all told through audio calls and FaceTimes and zooms. And so I think they're, they're always very visually, visually appealing to watch, to see the leaps that people make in technology and things. Um, my only problem with this movie is that I am not one that during a mystery thriller, I, I usually try to turn my brain off and just take in the story that's being told to me. And I'm not trying to figure it out. But this one, it's like I was just watching and my brain unlocked where I thought it was going and I was right. And so, like, you know, when you figured it out, you're just kind of watching it, waiting for it to yeah. happen. And so that's my only like negative on it. It was that I, I figured it out without trying, which took away from it a little bit, where, whereas I would have loved to have been surprised. So I don't know if that's the movie's fault or my own. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm so smart, I figured it out, because that's usually not my approach to it. Um, but I still I still enjoyed it a lot. I think that these films are fun to watch. I so it's I a recommend really cool searching. way to tell the story. It's like the found footage of the 2020s. Exactly. Exactly. And I was actually a really big fan of uh, found footage, uh, especially after Cloverfield. Cloverfield probably my favorite in that vein. But also uh, Quarantine, really good. The superhero one was good, too. Oh, um... Uh, Cloverfield. Chronicle. Chronicle. Chronicle, thank you. I knew it was a C. Yeah. Uh, And so I'd be willing to give this... I like when they try something new. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I would check it. I would check it out. Yeah, I think there's a place for this type of movie. It's really relatable. You know, it doesn't feel like you're necessarily watching a movie. It feels like you're peeking into someone's life because we've all used all those programs and FaceTimes and that. Uh, so it almost tells it from a different point of view. That's the point of view is more relatable. You don't, almost don't have to worry about the character relation. Yeah. Um, so I would say Searching is really good if you haven't seen that as a good entry into this genre. And then Missing was solid. Like, it's it's not bad by any means. I, I did enjoy it, but I'm just mad that I was able to figure it out instead of being surprised. But Searching's good. Missing's pretty pretty solid. There's I'm trying to think of what it's called. There's a, a horror franchise, Unfriended. That's the one. Unfriended and Unfriended Dark Web that kind of popularized 
this genre too, of the screen life genre. Sony literally has created a screen life studio that's dedicated to making these kinds of movies. So, um, yeah, so that's that's missing. And then the other the other movies that I had listed were are some Oscar movies that I just haven't been able to talk about over the past couple of months because we've been talking about other things. You know, we've talked a lot about Brendan Fraser on this show before I had seen The Whale. I finally saw The Whale. The movie's fine. I thought it was fine. Brendan Fraser is really good in it. So that's, you know, worth worth noting. That movie has definitely been very divisive among critics and there's a lot of critics that really don't like the movie itself and the the way the story is told like basically as if the filmmaker had contempt towards towards the subject matter like almost as if it's portraying fat people as like this is how you shouldn't be like this is this is bad being fat is bad but for me as somebody who's been overweight for the majority of my life now granted i'm not like morbidly obese to the point where that Brendan Fraser's character is in that movie, but he did things and would have like binge eating sessions. I'm like, yeah, I've for sure been guilty of that before or had those low moments. So like, I, I guess I understand what these critics are saying, but like I'm watching it and seeing parts of myself in the character and could find it relatable in a weird way, even though I'm not uh, as far gone as, as his character. You know, I'm not 600 pounds. Um, but anyway, that being said, Brendan Fraser's really good in it, and so that's the whale. I also so saw Babylon. Besides what you had just said, the reviews, sort of what I heard back from the community was that the movie was fine, but Brendan Fraser's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really just a vehicle for for him to be best actor, not necessarily that movie to be best movie. It's it's one of those, um, you know, it's based on a play. And this happens a lot in these movies when they make a film adaptation of a play. Like, a lot of plays are set in one location. Or, you know, and that's how this is. You are in his apartment the whole time. So it's very claustrophobic because you're in a small apartment with a very large man. And, you know, so so there's only so much that the movie can show. You know, it's, it's a drama. It's a very contained drama. So you have to take that for what it's worth. I will say this because it's directed by Darren Aronofsky, who I'm a big fan of. He's done a lot of shows, movies that I really like. And this is kind of in the same vein as the wrestler, um, which is a movie I love. That's a much better movie, I think. Um, But Aronofsky has a great way of kind of having a redemption arc for actors. Like we saw him back then, take Mickey Rourke, who was pretty much like outcast from Hollywood due to the personal issues and everything he had, gave him this kind of great comeback role, and he earned an Oscar nomination for it and everything. Unfortunately, Mickey Rourke's career did not pan out that positively after that. He had a few more roles, and he was in Iron Man 2 and all that, but um, I love The Wrestler, and this is kind of a similar thing, right? Like, Brendan is kind of making this career comeback with this Darren Aronofsky movie, and he's nominated for an Oscar now and he very well could win um, but yeah it's it's just a much more little self-contained movie and lacks more you know Darren Ar- Aronofsky is not to work right like you, you very artistic films things like Black Swan and Mother and, and all these other things but this is, is more you know it's an adaptation of a play so it's, it's fine but yeah Brendan Fraser is really good 
So uh, I also saw Babylon, which is the new Damien Chazelle film, the director who did Whiplash and La La Land and First Man. And this is the big, uh, like, 1920s Hollywood film as it's transitioning from silent films to the talkies. And it's got Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. And um, I absolutely loved this. It's like... three hour and nine minute cocaine fueled ride jet propulsion ride through Hollywood. That sounds great. It's, it's, it's really long. It's, it's also been a little divisive. A lot of critics love it, but it's, I think uh, like if mom and dad are just going to the movies one day and happen to catch this, they might not know exactly what to expect. But I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredible. I I recommend Babylon. It's one of those movies where it's over three hours long and it feels long, and I could have watched it for another hour or so. Like just give, just inject it into oh, my yeah. veins. Make another one and another one. Give me more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's Babylon. I also saw She Said, and, and this was one that. I don't think it ended up getting as much awards attention as they initially thought it might. This is based on the New York Times reporters who uncovered the Harvey Weinstein uh, scandal and figured out how to publish it. So, I mean, it's very much that it's a a journalism drama in the vein of something like Spotlight uh, or, or other movies of that genre. And I thought she said was fine maybe it's too recent of a story it never has that big oomph journalism moment like we all know where it's going right yeah we know what happened because it just happened yeah Yeah. exactly exactly so i just didn't find it that compelling and it's like a little over two hours long and you could cut you know a good 30 minutes out of it and it'd, it'd be better so anyway, that's she said. And then lastly, sorry for all these movies, guys. But I just no, you're solid, dude. The last one I wanted to talk about is Causeway. And this is okay. an Apple TV Plus movie. So you can catch this on Apple TV Plus if you're a subscriber. Small, small movie, you know, good 90 minute runtime. It's got Jennifer Lawrence and she is a uh, like a wounded vet. So she's you know returned home to to New Orleans actually after suffering um, I don't I don't want to go into all the details but you know suffered injuries in in war and so she's returned home and she's having trouble uh, adapting and so she befriends a local auto mechanic played by Brian Tyree Henry who he's just absolutely wonderful in this he's so good if if you've seen he he's in Atlanta the FX show that's that's popular, and he's been in a few other things. I think he's a big scene stealer when he does show up. I really like him, and he's really great in Causeway. Jennifer Lawrence is actually really good too, but he's incredible, and he actually made his way into the best supporting actor category at the Oscars this year, which is well deserved. Nice. So hell yeah, he was nominated. And if you're looking for just like a, kind of a quaint little drama to watch on Apple TV Plus, I recommend it. It's it's about kind of an unlikely friendship. And I thought it was I thought it was really solid and touching for what it was. So so that's nice. I think that is it for all my barrage of movies. Hey, you watch a lot of movies, Doug. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Uh, A lot that I didn't talk about, too, but I don't feel like y'all need to know about all the 
just... <laughs> uh, yeah, are we transitioning to shows now, I believe? You and I have the same show on our list, and it is an absolute hit. Absolute hit. Uh, this is a Hulu original British comedy show called Extraordinary. Uh, it is about a world uh, where everybody has a power, um, a superpower. So it is a superhero show, but it's a comedy, and it's really, really damn funny. Hour episodes, half hour episodes. I think they're thirty. I think they're half hour episodes. Uh, available on Hulu now. The whole first season. I'm really hoping it gets picked up for a season two. Who's in it? No one that I've ever no seen before. Absolutely no one that you've ever heard of. It is a diamond in the rough, quirky British comedy hit. Uh, this is one of those things that could have easily just been bad. And instead, every single person is cast right, and every single line is so funny. Uh, almost every episode will make you laugh out loud of Extraordinary. Uh, I recommended it to anybody who will listen and will continue to recommend it. I can't wait for another season. Uh, people have all sorts of different powers. The main character, of course, does not have a power. Uh, her roommates, one of them can connect with and channel dead people. And, and and her eyes change colors and she speaks, you know, usually like this gravelly, like a gravelly old British man whenever she's channeling and it never stops being funny. It's funny the whole way through the series. Um, I don't want to sell you the room, all of the roommates' powers, but there's, there's a roommate who you will just fall in love with. He kind of looks like Daniel Radcliffe, uh, except if you like beat Daniel Radcliffe with like a homeless guy pole. Uh, he's hilarious. Everything he does is super quirky and weird. And then the last roommate is married to the ghost girl. He can control time, but only in like two minute intervals. Uh, he wants to be a hero, but he's kind of uh, it's sort of a piece of shit. And he's kind of a selfish prick. So watching him go through his journey with his power is a lot of fun. And seeing uh, all these different situations that the characters are put in. A lot of times the main character is put in situations where people are feeling sorry for her or it's, you know, it's so bad you don't have a power. Oh my goodness, it sucks to be you. And she's like, no, nope, it's really not that bad. I'm just trying to go through my life. Leave me alone. Um, I think if you watch Extraordinary within the first five, ten minutes of the show, you'll be hooked. You'll know whether or not you're going to like it, and you're going to like it. Uh I don't have enough praise for Extraordinary. What about you, John? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely Certified Fresh. Hilarious. I haven't finished the first season, but I watched like, the first four episodes. Really loving it. Um, the main character is really thirsty, and it's funny. Uh, not all the powers are inherently jokes. Some of them are like normal powers, like flight or, you know, super speed. But, like... A lot of comedy comes from them anyway. And then some of the, the, the powers are straight up silly. And it's really funny. Like, uh, someone she works with, uh, she works at a party supply place, and her co-worker breathes helium. Like, helium comes out of his mouth. So he just spends all day blowing up balloons at this party supply warehouse. And when he talks, he's like, ah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's funny. Um, There's one guy who 3D prints stuff out of his butt, but it takes a few minutes. Yeah, he can 3D print anything. He has a 3D printer butt. That's what his power is. He pulls his pants down. He squats. He makes faces. Sometimes he strays. It's it's very funny. 
got some great mystery men type of vibes to it at times. It does. It does. And it's honestly, if you like British humor, British comedy, this is spot on. It's right on the money. This is everything you could hope for from a British comedy. It's very funny. Um, please watch it so we can get another season. And if you've been seeing a lot of, because the way I saw the show at first was TikTok, they were popping up. Like, with these clips from, like, people with their silly powers. And I was like, what is this show? And then Gary was like, hey, I'm watching this show extraordinary. I was like, oh, is that what it is? And so, if you've been seeing those clips popping up, this is that show. Uh, There's a character named Jizz Lord. There is. He does not have Jizz-related powers. No, that's a different character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, great. It's great stuff. I really like it. I like... Uh, my favorite probably is the main character's mother, whose power is to control technology. But she, but she's an older woman, like an, an older. You know how you you always have to show your parents. Yeah, she's a boomer. Okay, she's a boomer, uh, and so she doesn't understand technology. So she can just badly control things with her with her uh, brain, and it's really funny. Even though she can control technology, she still has a hard time doing stuff like scanning through channels or changing the TV. Just she doesn't understand how it works. It's funny. Good with her power, not good with technology. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of lots of good funny things throughout the show, and it, I guess it should be mentioned that it's certainly adult humor. Uh, it's not not really for. Kids. Oh, you can't watch it with your kids. No, definitely not. Absolutely TVMA. There's a lot of sexual jokes, uh, but they're good. Like it's not a hit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, another show for me that I've been watching, this one is a sleeper. Popped up on Netflix. I was like, this doesn't look terrible. What's going on here? It's called Lockwood and Company. It is not terrible. It feels like if uh, maybe it feels sort of Umbrella Academy-ish. You know how Netflix has their show formula where things, you know, they kind of feel Netflixy. It certainly feels Netflixy. Uh, it's not as cheesy as Umbrella Academy at all. The production value is a little bit higher, a little bit cleaner. And it almost has a, a Sherlock Holmesy kind of feel to it. So it's set in modern-day London. This is a, a show, right? Not a it movie. It is a show. Correct. Yeah, Netflix show. Lockwood and Company. And the setting is modern world. It's in London. And in this version of the world, at 6 p.m. is curfew. And you go home. Because there are ghosts, and ghosts are very dangerous. And they're more dangerous at night, and I think they roam a little bit more at night. So in this world, ghost hunting is a real profession, and it's a real thing. Uh, the main character winds up in a really crappy position, uh, where something horrible happens to her and her classmates, and she, uh, the, the people in charge don't accept responsibility for it. They basically make her take the blame for it. And so she quits and leaves and runs away, uh, without having her full ghost hunting degree. And so she can't get hired on at any respectable agencies and comes across Lockwood and Company. It is some more teenagers that run this ghost hunting company. Uh, teenagers aren't really supposed to be ghost hunting by themselves if they're trainees, but these ones claim not to be trainees. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, man. They use iron chains to fight ghosts, so it sort of feels a little bit like supernatural. Um the actors, they're teenagers, but they're great. Um, the main the main guy, Lockwood himself, is just very... He's got it. He's got that charisma of a, of a young English actor. I could see him really going far. 
Uh, and same thing with the main the main girl. She's just there's something great about her. She's endearing. Her character doesn't take shit from anybody. Uh, you just want to be her friend. You want to be on her side. But her power is that she can hear and talk to very powerful entities. And the main character, Lockwood, can see, like, residue of murders and ghosts and things like that. So the two of them make a great team. I cannot recommend Lockwood and Company enough. Everybody's got Netflix. It is family-friendly enough. The ghosts aren't terrifying. There's no brutal gore. Uh, it's probably rated PG-13. It's, it's just good. It's just great. Lockwood nice. and Company. A lot of fun. I will finish it. I'm three episodes in. I didn't want to stream yesterday uh, because I was watching Lockwood and Company, and I was like, hey, if the stream gets canceled, I guess I'll just binge watch this whole season. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those shows that you're like, cancel the plans for the day. We're watching Lockwood and Company. Uh, it's got everything, man. It's got the mystery. It's got the ghosts. It's got it's got this this interesting setting I've never seen before, and the acting is totally passable. Production quality is good enough. Uh, Netflix has a little a little gem here. This will, without a doubt, I think, get renewed for a season two, maybe even three. Uh, Lockwood and Company is it. If oh, you think that hopefully. you want to watch it, then you do want to watch it. Yeah, the show's developed by. I was just doing some research on it. It's developed by Joe Cornish, who's the guy who did directed Attack the Block and um, oh okay, a few other things. So it's like looking at the people behind this. It does look like it's pretty fun. It's good. It's very good. Yeah, I uh, saw. Maybe, Maybe I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw this yeah. on Netflix, and I was like, that totally looks like something I'd watch, but I wasn't sure. But hearing you talk about it, I'll definitely 100% watch this. I gave it the double thumbs up on Netflix, not the single thumbs up. I'll definitely watch this. This is a tangent. But, Gary, the thing I like about doing this show with you and hearing about the things that you're watching is, like, I feel like, like you're... Whenever I go into Netflix to watch something, like I'm usually going with like, knowing what I'm going to go watch. Like, I'm going to go watch this specific show, or this is the new thing that was released, or you know, whatever. And I feel like you really do just kind of open, and you're like, "What tickles my fancy today? Like, what do I see that sticks out to me?" And so you'll find a show, and 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 so that's why it's hilarious to me when you'll tell start you how I like, watch on Netflix. I go to trending now or what's new. And I almost always pick something within, like, the first six or eight of that list. Even if it's not something I want to watch, if it's trending, that means people are watching it, so I should maybe have an opinion, maybe. Uh, and if it's new, I'll watch it because people haven't seen it yet, and I should maybe have an opinion, maybe. Right, and but then, I, I and never then it go leads, there to watch a classic. It'll usually lead to a review where you're like, I watched this, and it's not terrible. Which is a lead-in. But usually, if Gary describes something as not terrible, that usually means it's pretty good. And there's pretty much two types of reviews you'll get from me is, I watched this because I hoped it was good, and it wasn't, please don't waste your time on it. Um, or, I watched this because I didn't know what to think, and it was good, you should watch it. Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly where we're at here with Lockwood and Company. I watched this because I didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, kids hunting ghosts, this could be really bad. Uh, alternatively, it could be really good, and it was. I'm super glad I watched it, and do recommend Lockwood and Company to any of you Netflixers out there that are flixing. I want to go watch it right now. You should go watch it right now. I might. You know, it's funny. I have a show on my list that I we kind of stumbled across as well. Um, 
th this is actually on Hulu. It's through FX on Hulu. And there's a show that was recently on there uh, that just ended a few weeks ago called Fleischman is in Trouble. I don't know if you've seen this on there, Gary, because I know you're a pretty avid Hulu user. Um, this is a show that stars Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes, and it's also got uh, a few other people in it. I think Lizzie Kaplan is in it, and Adam Brody is in it as well. Basically, the, the premise, the way that this show in, is set up is... It's Jesse Eisenberg's character. He's recently divorced, and he had, you know he and his ex-wife have two kids. And one day, he he's the interesting thing about his character is like he's a doctor. He's like never been the popular guy, and now all of a sudden that he's newly divorced, he's like on dating apps, and all of a sudden there's like women that have interest in him and such that you know he never really had interest like that when growing up. And so he's kind of like adjusting into this new life of dating when one morning he wakes up and he finds out his wife, his ex-wife, um, dropped the kids off with him early and then she just goes missing. Like she stops responding, whatever. And all of a sudden it like so the show kind of presents itself at first as like it's a mystery of what happened to her. Where did she go? Um and that's really not where the show ends up going. And I think that that's a much more interesting hook than the show actually ends up being. It's much more about like midlife crisis and finding yourself and parenting and things like that. And like, so it's pretty solid and well acted. It's just like, I feel like it's, I would have enjoyed it more maybe if I had gone into it with the right expectations set. Um, that being said, it's like an eight episode series. You can get through it, you know, decently fast. It's well acted. Um, there's some interesting character arcs, but it's just don't go into it thinking it's going to be like a mystery series because it really isn't that. It strays away from that pretty quickly. But that's on on Hulu through FX on Hulu. It's called Fleischman is in Trouble. And then the only other show I had listed that I want to talk about um is Succession, which has been one of the most popular new HBO series of the first of the past few years. I think Succession premiered in 2018. I've heard so many good things about it. It's like a huge hit with critics. Um, but the fourth season is coming out in a couple months, I think at the end of March. So I finally decided I was going to uh, jump on this one because I feel like I've been missing out. And so I've watched through the first season in about the past week and a half. Are either of y'all familiar with succession at all? Not I. No. Okay. Succession is an HBO drama. So it's basically about, it's like a satire black comedy family show. It's about a family that owns like a super huge, um, like media conglomerate and it's run by Brian Cox. He's like the head of the family. And then there's a bunch of other people in it, Kieran Culkin and um, Jeremy Strong and so on and so forth. But it's like, it's basically just this, this cutthroat family that will even cut each slit each other's throats to like get ahead in the industry. And they're all willing to betray each other. And they all are about themselves and the business and making more money at the expense of each other. And it's absolutely incredible. Like the first season, it's so dark when you kind of understand the show. Like 
I think that somebody that doesn't realize what they're watching might th- first think like, oh, this is boring or oh, something. But like when you get into it, it's it is so good. It is show has kind of been dominating the uh, the best drama Emmys and, and awards for the past couple years. It, the last season came out in 2021. So there wasn't a season last year, but the new season comes out this year. I, I highly recommend it after jumping on the first season. I absolutely loved it. And I'm really excited to dive into season two here soon. But that's succession. It's kind of one of those, like I, I sitting here talking about it, like it's this new thing, but any, there's a lot of people that have been loving this show for the past few years i'm just late to it but boy is it good and worth the hype around it this is another actually gary because this might strike your interest this is another show um that adam mckay was involved in he actually directed the first episode which he did the same with the with winning time which is a show that you and i really liked um i'm kind of hit and miss with some of adam mckay stuff you know i was on the record last year's not really liking the movie don't look up um yeah so I find, I find there to be some hit and miss, but his TV stuff I think has been really good, and he I like don't look up was involved in this a little bit. But I remember being alone in that. Also, if you've seen the movie The Menu recently, that's gotten a lot of popularity. It's, I saw it back at Fantastic Fest. It's got it kind of gained some popularity Man. since it got put on HBO Max. That um, should have been on my list. I watched The Menu recently. Yeah, uh, the guy who directed The Menu has directed a lot of popular episodes of Succession, and he did Game of Thrones as well, and then did The Menu. So the Succession has a lot of, of The Menu vibes in it at times, but takes itself more seriously. Yeah, The Menu, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because, like, you know, it's coming past, but... Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought the performances were great. I thought the movie was great. I thought it was a, it was a solid flick. Like, I, absolutely go watch it. It's pretty good. There is another show on Netflix I forgot to write on my sheet, but I can't go another week without talking about it. It's called Kunk on Earth. That's C-U-N-K, like, Kunk yeah. on Earth. It is a mockumentary oh, series. Yeah. Um. She has been around and doing this bit in, in England for a while. It's been a BBC Two show. There was Kunk on everything. There was Kunk on England. Um, the character's name is Philomena Kunk. The actress, I think, is Diane Morgan or something. But the the whole premise of the show basically is it's a documentary where they're going to teach you about uh, Earth. And, and in this, they start at like the prehistoric period with cave paintings, and they go all the way up to the modern age and just teach you about culture and everything that happened in between. Um, and a lot of it is just hilarious misinformation that will, it's just like you will erupt laughing because it's supposed to be just such funny garbage. Uh, she sits down and interviews uh, professors and doctors and all sorts of things, but it's very much a Ali G type of interview where it's a, it's a professional and she's asking questions that are just so dumb and would make any regular person shake their head, <laughs> laugh out loud, or look away. Uh, but I think people now know this format of hers, and so they explain it to her like she is just a baby child that understands nothing. And so it makes the show, it gives it this really interesting thing where you're still learning 
from these professionals. You're hearing what they need to teach you, but she as a character just doesn't hear it. It goes totally over her head, and she's an idiot. And everywhere she takes you, everything she says is so stupid, but it's all, there is real history there, there's real culture there. It's just such a funny way to teach it. I absolutely love Conk on Earth. Uh, it may not be for everybody, but I love documentaries, and I love travel shows, and I love culture and history, and so for me, uh, this this is just like watching, you know, any documentary, except it's very funny instead. Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen like, clips and stuff from this. Uh, it's very funny, and she's very funny. Uh, I feel like, I feel like I've seen her somewhere else before. Uh, I'm not sure where she's from. One of the quotes that just popped up is, they don't have racism in America anymore. When they voted for Obama, they sorted all that out. <laughs> One of the lines in the show is, they don't have uh, racism in America anymore. They just have, uh, you know, like, uh, different, you know, different classes for different people who make different money separated by race. That's pretty funny. A lot of those facts are great. Uh, Conk on Earth is very funny. I think there's only four episodes. It's really easy to watch. I think there may be 40 minutes apiece. Uh, and they just fly by. What's you that on? probably watch it. It's on Netflix. You could probably watch it with kids in the room because there's nothing graphic or gross on TV at any point, and they probably wouldn't understand most of the jokes she's making anyways. Uh, they're either so dumb or so highbrow they would go right over a kid's head. So I would say family safe enough, just not targeted at kids. Um, Jahan, we have some video games. Drew has a video game. Dog, we do have video games. Um, I actually checked my video game off because it's on your list. It's all good. Yeah, so video games have been dope. Uh, this has been an interesting year so far for Xbox Game Pass. We a lot of things that I was looking forward to uh, are out finally. At the time that this recording releases, we would have played Hot Wheels. I'm sure that's going to be fun. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise came to Xbox Game Pass free, completely free. Go play it. Uh, I have played every single installment of Monster Hunter since PlayStation Two. This is one of the better Monster Hunter games. It's very fun. Uh, co-op friendly. Uh, Monster Hunter has always kind of had wonky co-op. The best co-op of any Monster Hunter game was definitely World. This one has functional co-op. Still a lot of fun. And uh, once you progress far enough in the multiplayer, it actually kind of fast-forwards you in the main continuity anyways. Like, main story. And, like, it it's just a lot of fun. Everything you love about Monster Hunter is back. They added... Uh, some new moves that you can uh, unlock and change for all the different weapons. Uh, and they have a new pet uh, called a Palmut, which I believe is new to this game, or it's new to... or it's only ever been in Monster Hunter Stories, which I did not play. Um, but the Palmuts are cool. You can ride them. They're dogs uh, that also help you in battle, and they can be your mount. Very cool stuff. You still have Palicos. Me and Gary have had a lot of fun playing this game. Uh, one of the most challenging battles I have ever had was in this game. And actually, now I'm looking at it, it's the creature on the cover. Uh, which isn't even the end boss. It's just like, it's like a mid-tier boss. Really difficult, crazy line that shoots like purple hellfire energy at you. Great installment. 
to the series. Absolutely. What do you think, Gary? If you haven't played Monster Hunter, it is a boss fighting game. You don't really do anything except for boss fight. You go out and you boss fight. This boss has all these different moves and rotations. You can cut pieces off. You can knock armor off. It gives you more materials so that you can go back to town and build better weapons or better armor so that you can go fight a boss monster so that it can drop its pieces so you can make armor and weapons to fight a boss monster. That's all it is. is It's just a boss monster fighting game. Uh, So if you like boss fights in games, Monster Hunter should be for you. The controls in Monster Hunter are intentionally painful and sluggish. It's not about how fast you can press attack. It's about your animations. It's about the openings for your attack, about the openings that the monster leaves because monsters all act differently. They move differently. Um, I didn't come to Monster Hunter really until Monster Hunter World, which was their first big, successful, very multiplayer game. I think that Monster Hunter Rise is pretty much just like Monster Hunter World. It almost feels like an expansion. Uh, It feels like I'm playing the same game. There are different monsters, though, and that's what's good. Uh, There are some classics, some originals that are back in it. Uh, But the combat's great. The multiplayer works pretty well. They slimmed down the size of the town, so it's not huge, this giant multiplayer complex anymore. Um, So a lot of things that they kind of trimmed down, they lost some of their setting and some of their flavor, I think. But they have all the things you still want, like little cute kittens cooking up tasty buns for you to buff you before you go into battle and singing little songs about cooking fluffy, fluffy fucking dango buns. So I'd say Monster Hunter certified fresh. I would Absolutely. Say if you like Monster Hunter World, you should try Monster Hunter Rise. And if you haven't played Monster Hunter, you should give it a shot. But no, going into it, every weapon plays completely differently they're not the same they're not even close they're they're totally different totally different games yeah they're the the weapons are pretty much the classes in this game uh and give it a shot it there is a learning curve but once you get it you get it yeah and i i definitely recommend it everyone likes a good boss fight there's nothing better than just grinding boss fights with your friends it's especially fun if you have two, three, or four people, you make quicker work of the monster. It could be pretty hard single player sometimes. Um, I'm a a fan of Monster Hunter now, and as long as they keep making these games cooperative and multiplayer, then I'll keep dabbling in Monster Hunter. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. This is, so this, yeah, this installment's a great, this is, this should be a great intro to the series for sure. Um, I think it's one of the best installments in the series. Monster Hunter World is a lot more... It had broad appeal because uh, they, they they simplified a lot of things. This game carries over a lot of the quality of life improvements that they made in World into a more uh, traditional Monster Hunter game. And I, I think it really shines because of that. But yeah, Monster Hunter Rise, check it out, Certified Fresh, free on Game Pass. Um, they dropped a lot on Game Pass, though. So, like, we're, we're, we're going to be singing some praises here. Hi-Fi Rush, uh, an interesting rhythm uh, battle platformer I got to play a little bit of. Uh, it has it... So, you have to fight. If you fight to the rhythm, you get bonus uh, attacks and damage and all kinds of bonus points. Uh, so, you're trying to fight in very much in a Devil May Cry-like style game, but to a rhythm. And I've played other games like this. Uh, a good one is Hellsinger, which is an FPS version of that, where you shoot to the rhythm. Um, and then, you know, there's like Cadence of Hyrule and uh, Two of the Necro Dancer that are also fun rhythm games. This is a very... 
this is a good one. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I look, I've only played like 15 minutes, uh, but I liked what I was seeing, and I want to give it uh, more time. I actually, uh, I've played this game a decent amount, and I like it a lot. Uh, I'm pretty bad at it, <laughs> but that doesn't keep me from liking it. I'm playing it on like the story difficulty to make the beats easier for me so that I feel cool and powerful. <laughs> hey, that's fair. I like it a lot. I really like BPM games. I have like an internal metronome for games like that. I, 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 I rule at them. I, I play the. I, I really like them. I did not like. I did not like this one. I didn't care for it. I didn't really like the the platforming aspect of it. I didn't didn't really do it for me. Um, it felt like a free game. It's a good thing it's free. I don't think anybody would have bought this. I think it's interesting. So it is a. It is Bethesda. Bethesda made this game. Uh, so, and Microsoft owns Bethesda. Obviously, that's why it came out day one. Um, and we're, we, I don't know, we're starting to see Bethesda put out their games day one on the Game Pass. It's exciting. Uh, and they definitely seem like they tried to make the main character a character. You know what I mean? They're trying to, they're, they're trying it out. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to stick as like a big character, but hey, I, I, I liked what I played so far. But. I liked it a lot. It gives me major Jet Set Radio vibes. Um, or if you've played, I think it's still on Game Pass because it was an Xbox exclusive, but uh, Sunset Overdrive. Oh, right, um, right. Which is a great game, and it has very similar vibe ex- vibes, except that's obviously a big open world game. This is much more contained, um, a linear experience, but I think it's very fun. But I think the art style, kind of cel-shaded, is, is great. The cutscenes and everything are so well animated i think from a style standpoint the game is awesome and worth trying in itself but i think the gameplay is really good and really fun it, yeah it definitely has a lot of style uh the gameplay is fun and I, i'm definitely willing to spend some more time with this one uh free on game pass free free right. with your <laughs> monthly subscription of 15 dollars a month <laughs> for unlimited games uh, and then another one, a really interesting one uh, that Gary pointed out to me is because Microsoft bought Rare. Uh, GoldenEye 007, free on Gamepad from the N64, free with updated graphics, I believe online multiplayer capability. And it did not have online. Does it on not? Xbox. I did boot it That's up and sad. try. It's a straight up N64 emulation, except the controls are better. So you can actually use the controls are so much better. But the, at least, unless it's hidden somewhere, I wasn't able to figure out. All I was able to do was split-screen multiplayer local. I oh, that's... I thought it was going to be online, and that I was really excited. It should be. Get on it, Microsoft. I think there's a way you can do online or utilize that on the Switch, but I know on Xbox it is just an, an emulation. Yeah, because the Switch has in their emulation like software, in their, what do you call it, retro arcade or whatever, they have the capability to play all the games online. So I, I imagine it just feeds into that. Um, but yeah, GoldenEye 007, you can check it out. I started playing it again, got some nostalgias, got some of the nostalgies. Uh, there's the JoJo Bizarre Adventure Fighting game, if you're into that. Uh, good stuff. Then also, Darkest Dungeon came back to Game Pass. Good times. Age of Empires 2 de- uh, Definitive Edition. A lot of good stuff on Game Pass. I've been very busy, uh, and I'm still with, with with the Game Pass stuff, and I'm really excited for the 20th, when Atomic Hearts, I already, already pre-installed it, Atomic Hearts drops as well on Game Pass. 
I'm excited for last week, which happens in two days, whenever Hot Wheels comes out. Same. I'm also really excited for it. Also free on Game Pass. Check it out. Uh, we're not sponsored. We should be. I wish we were. Because I love Game Pass. Yeah, does anybody have a friend who works at Game Pass? Tell them we're always talking about Game Pass. We could be sponsored by Game Pass. That'll save us $15 a month at least. Oh, yeah, just give us free Game Pass. We'll talk about Game Pass for free, Game Pass. Hell yeah. Deal. I'm in. I, uh, I've i been mostly playing Hi-Fi Rush, like you said, but I actually just recently jumped into a replay of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it's actually on... It was the PlayStation Plus Game of the Month last month in January, so I had this on there. I've actually already gotten every achievement in the Xbox version, so now I'm playing it on PlayStation so that I can get the Platinum, just earn it again, because I'm a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But also, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order comes out soon, uh, which is called Jedi, Jedi Survivor. Yeah. And then you have to play that one on both systems. Oh, man, that's horrible. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> but actually, Jedi Survivor just got pushed back, I think, six weeks. Um, here recently, so it's supposed to come out in March. I think it's coming out in April now. But um, yeah, I just wanted to give the first one a replay before getting into that one, so that the story's fresh. And uh, man, it still holds up. It's a really great game, it especially is. considering uh, Jedi Fallen Order doesn't seem like it was that long ago that it came out, but it came out in 2019, so it's been you know a solid three years plus. So I'm. Uh, I'm playing it again. It's like playing it for the first time. It's really fun. Good game. Good good adventure Star Wars game. And that's it. Excellent. And with that, I do believe that wraps up our conversations for this week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for those who are watching live. Uh, and just thank you in general for being a part of our community. We look forward to hearing from you on our Twitters and you know in our Discord or wherever you want to come talk to us. We're around. And we like to talk to people. So, uh, yeah, thanks for watching Fresh Out the Podcast. I have been Jahananon at RockFact on Twitter. It's me, Casualty CDG, co-host of Fresh Out the Podcast, but also Fresh Out the Box. That's where Jahan and I do all original stories. We're always making stuff up, having fun with new characters, new friends, new games, uh, playing games like Dungeons and Dragons in that we roll dice to find out the results and we use our imagination, but not Dungeons and Dragons because there are so many companies, there are so many games to be played and so many indie games and creators that we have to just touch everything and talk to everyone and play all the other games all at once. So come check us out every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll be trying to make you laugh or maybe squirm uh, sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's horror because it's Jahan and I with no Drew to filter us. Uh, so, so there's that. Oh if no! Interested in that? Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, tell your friends to like this podcast. You, you like this podcast. We're at the end of the episode. Just go up to the rating real quick before you go to your next thing. Click the five stars. Whether it's in Apple Music, whether it's in Spotify, just give us that rating. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you on the next one, Ant-Man Styles. Yeah, I'm Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And as Gary said, I believe our next episode is going to be a deep dive, spoiler and non-spoiler discussion of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I'll probably, I haven't talked to him about this yet, but I'm probably going to rope 
mayor of Nerdtropolis himself, Chantage Board, to be on that one with us because he has, uh, I think, been on all the other Marvel discussion ones with us in the past year or so. so he did ask if we were doing one in the chat, so if I think you're he's listening, interested. Sean, you're invited. If you're listening, you're invited. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Episode 74. We did it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and stay fresh. Ooh.